This morning, I have the joy of preaching on patience. So we're doing a series at the moment um, through the, gift, the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5, which we'll read in a few minutes. And really, we talked about this a little bit last week, but we feel like God is leading us into a season where he's inviting us to grow in depth and maturity as a community. And the beautiful thing about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is that it's supernatural. It's the work of the Spirit in us that allows us to grow fruit that would be impossible to grow if you did not have the person of the Spirit in your life. What that means is we as the people of God are invited to partner with the Spirit of God, to allow that fruit to grow in us, to listen to the promptings of the Spirit, and to expect in our lives expressions of love and joy and peace and patience that far surpass what is humanly possible in and of our own strength. So often in the church, we're settling for what is possible in human strength and calling it the fruit of the spirit. No, that's just the fruit of man. What is the fruit of the spirit? Is something much more radical, something much more sacrificial, something much more wild than anyone has ever seen before. I talked about the difference between watery tomatoes that you might get from mass-produced um, greenhouses somewhere or tomatoes from Italy that have been ripened by the sun and are a meal in and of themselves. That's the difference between the fruit of man in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and the fruit of the spirit in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And we're invited into the adventure of supernatural patience. Yes, this is an adventure. Some of you are looking at me like, I don't really like the sound of patience. I hope by the end of this, you're going to love it. There's this uh, moment in Matthew 18 that Jesus and his disciples are speaking, and I love it because Peter goes up to Jesus, and you're pretty much guaranteed in the Gospels, whenever Peter goes up to Jesus with, the, with an idea, it's like a funny, embarrassing moment that you can laugh at Peter, but often actually um, reveals very much the thoughts and attitudes in our own hearts. I, I really sympathize with Peter. I feel like I would be that person constantly putting my foot in it the whole time. Anyway, in Matthew 18, Peter goes up to Jesus and he thinks he's being clever. He thinks, you can see from the way he arranges his question that he thinks Jesus is about to commend him for his generosity of heart. He goes up to Jesus and he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? As many as seven times? And you can see he's like generous of heart. Hey, Jesus, I didn't say one. I didn't even say two. Seven. Perfect number two. See how spiritual I am. And Jesus says, I do not say seven times. I love that. This is the difference between the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of man. In all of man's wisdom, Peter came up with what would be the extent of patient generosity in forgiving again and again and again. And he thought seven, wow, that's impressive. And Jesus looks at him and says, no, seven's not a number I'd come up with. How about 70 times seven? And there's just silence. Peter's like, oh, okay. Let me just step back from this awkward moment. And in that encounter is really the, the beautiful um, comparison that we can see between patience that we would come up with 
and the patience that God both has for us and invites us to have for others. Anyway, we'll get there in a minute, but I just love that encounter. Let's just read Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. You know, the Greek word in Galatians 5 is literally, for patience, is literally long passion. It's basically saying be long-tempered as opposed to short-tempered. That's the literal translation of the word patience in Galatians 5. And this is the reality of us being yoked to Jesus. Jesus says to us, come all those who are weary, right? I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Being yoked to someone literally means this bar was put across. It's, it's a term from how they used oxen. It's a farming term. They would yoke together the oxen so that they both had to go in the same direction at the same time. If not, they'd really struggle and wouldn't be able to get far at all. And Jesus is saying, that's what it looks like to be living in me. You are yoked to me. So you got to go at my pace. You got to go in my direction if you want to go anywhere at all. And the reality of patience as a supernatural fruit is that we desperately need it. If not, we're going to be consistently frustrated with the pace of Jesus as the disciples were. So often they're trying to move him. So often they're trying to get him to hurry up. So often they're trying to get him to, Jesus, you're speaking to a woman at a well, time to go. No, Jesus is standing there. You can feel the frustration as they're learning what it looks like to be yoked to someone who will not be hurried. You know, Julian says this often. I don't because I knew my limitations right off. Julian, before we had kids, would describe himself as a very patient man, which I would totally agree. But after, I would never have described myself as a patient woman, let's be honest. The, the truth. I'm learning. But Julian would have described himself as a patient man, and so would I. And then you have kids, and you suddenly realize, oh, this is a totally different ballgame. If you think you're patient, I want to encourage you, try following a toddler down a few flights of stairs who is refusing for you to help them as they walk down that stairs, and, and feel how patient you are in that moment. No, I got it. I got it. No, mum. And you're like, please, can I just hold your hand? No, no, I'm doing this as you're walking painfully slowly down the stairs and you're thinking there's about 300 steps to go and we're never going to leave. That's really what it was like being with Jesus, I imagine, for the disciples because he refused to live a hurried life. Hey, Jesus, someone's needing a miracle. Let's go. Oh, wait, there's a crowd and I felt power go from me. No, no, there's a little girl who's dying. We need to move. No, no, hang on. Let me just have a conversation here. Who touched me? Someone, who was it? Oh, wait, you've been healed. Let's have a conversation about this. You can feel the tension in his disciples of, we have somewhere to be, move on. I wonder how many of us are struggling with the pace of Jesus. How's your heart doing in the midst of the waiting? Because you know, when you're waiting for a miraculous breakthrough, you actually have no choice but to wait. Like, 
Anyone able to miraculously heal them from a disease, themselves from a disease? No. So then if God has promised you that healing, you have no choice but to wait. So us congratulating ourselves that we've waited is pointless because we had no choice. We had no option. We couldn't move that thing along even if we tried. So then patience comes in not as a source of waiting but as a source of an attitude as you wait. That's what the question is. How is my heart doing as I am forced to go at the pace of Jesus. How's my heart? Where's my joy? Where's my peace? Where's my certainty? That's what the Spirit wants to grow in us. The fruit of patience looks not just like me shrugging my shoulders and saying, oh, well, we gotta wait. That's not patience. The fruit of patience comes into effect when you can see me as I wait and there is joy and peace and certainty despite the delay, despite what I would perceive as Jesus living an unhurried life when I wanna live in a fast-paced world. I feel like Jesus is inviting us as a community, as a people to slow it down. There is so much around the world today that is telling us speed it up, do more, achieve more, even in the reality of church planting, I have conversations every single day that are about speed it up. As if what is worthwhile comes instantly, as if everything is urgent or everything is an emergency. It simply is not the case. It's just the culture of the world around us. But God is saying to us, hey, wait. There is beauty in the process. I love watching home renovation shows. If I often say, if I was not a pastor and I had the ability, I would love to be some kind of interior designer. I love seeing things transform. But you know the thing about home renovation shows is that they only show you the good bits. They speed up the process. In 45 minutes, you can see something that took nine months to build and it's just the sort of pace that I like. I don't wanna wait the nine months. And the only clue you might have to the nine months is the difference in the clothes that they're wearing for the different seasons. You're like, oh yeah, that would have taken a long time in that case. Or I love watching on Instagram people who renovate their homes and not only do they show me the good bits, but they still use the speed up button on their videos so that in 15 seconds you can see an entire shower wall tiled. And you think, that's awesome, I could do that. Yeah, the problem is that the actual doing of it takes hours and hours and hours, but we live in a world that lacks the 15 second promo. The way of the spirit is different to the culture that we live in. The way of the spirit is wanting to grow peace in slowness in us whereas the culture of the world is yelling at us to speed up. Jump to the next thing, jump to the th next thing. The problem is if you live a sped up life, you do not understand how to be present in any moments of process. But we're human beings. We've been designed to be present in process and to find the gold in the journey. 
You know, Jesus, when he tells the parable of the seed in Luke 8, parable that many of us might be familiar with, the farmer goes out, he sows seed. Some of it lands on good soil. Some of it lands on paths. Some of it is taken from the birds. Some of it lands on rocks. And he tells his disciples this thing, and it's all about how the seed of the gospel, the soil or the ground that it lands on is people's hearts. And really the point is, if the gospel lands in good soil, that seed will grow a hundredfold. Jesus tells his disciples. And then later on, the disciples ask him, hey, what's the meaning of the parable? Because they haven't understood. And he tells them what the meaning of it is. But what's interesting is in Luke 8, 15, he clarifies the good soil bit. And he says, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. See, often as the people of God, we like the first version that he says, which is then when it fell on good soil, it grew and yielded a hundredfold. In one sentence, you skip to the good part. But then the second bit, when he explains it more fully, he actually speaks of the process requiring patience because go figure, when the good uh, news of Jesus lands in our hearts, we don't go from zero to 100 in a second, wake up in the morning and this seed has grown a hundredfold. No, patience is required to grow that harvest in our hearts. This is a lifelong process that we're invited into. And this is fun, I promise, we're gonna get there. Okay, what does patience actually taste like? If it's a fruit of the spirit, then when people encounter you and me and they taste the fruit of patience, what does it look like? Well, we're gonna look at James 5 for this. There's gonna be lots of scripture today, it's good stuff. James 5, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. It's funny, when we grow impatient with the things that we're waiting for in God, often we start nitpicking at one another simply because we're bored of the waiting in our own scenario. And so we start finding other people to judge, other people to pick at. Don't do it. Learn patience in your context. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Okay, be patient James tells them, and then he points to them to how a farmer waits for the crop. Here's the thing, patience is not passive. Like I said before, patience is not simply waiting. Patience isn't us disengaging emotionally and perhaps physically and then saying, oh, we're waiting for that thing. No, no, patience as James describes it is actually an incredibly active process. Patience is a leaning in, not a stepping back because the way we're to be patient as the people of God is how farmers wait for their crop once they've planted the seed. Now, as every good preacher does, I did this week, which is I read that and I went to Google and typed in the words, what do farmers do after they've planted? 
And after a farmer has planted, there's a whole lot of work that's involved. I came across a very helpful blog, Farmers Weekly of some sort or another, that, yeah, this is how I spent my time this week, that really pinpoints all of the activities that are required once planting is done long before you see the harvest. One of the main things that farmers do once they've planted the seed is weed management. They go back to that ground again and again and again and again and again. It's a daily job that they do. They don't say, here's the seed, great seed, in about six months' time, I'm off. That's not patience. No, no, patience isn't, I'm off, I'll wait until something happens. Patience is, now that this thing is sown, how can I tend to it? How can I lean into it? How can I bless the certainty of a crop to come? So the farmer goes, believing that the plant that he cannot see is worth the tending because he hopes for a harvest that is still to come. And so he starts pulling out any weeds. He's watching carefully for anything that should not be growing because he wants nothing to interfere with the beauty and the viability of that promise that is planted in that soil. Another thing that he does is pest control. Not only is the farmer looking for weeds, he is killing off any pests that want to come and destroy that plant. Patience is about, isn't about me saying, God prophesied to me 15 years ago that this would happen. I'm waiting. See how patient I am. No, no. Patience is me saying, God spoke to me 15 years ago, and I can tell you for 15 years what I've been doing to tend that soil to guard that seed to say this promise is viable and I'm waiting for the harvest not by stepping back but by leaning in I've been guarding this word for 15 years I've been watering this soil for 15 years I've been blessing it I've been pouring encouragement on it I've been listening to other people's testimonies and putting that into the soil as new nutrients required for this plant to grow because I understand that patience isn't me tapping out patience is me leaning in that's what patience looks like as a fruit because patience is about the certainty of what is to come I can be patient which means I can have a great attitude in my heart because I am sure that that plant that I have sown is going to be one that I harvest it requires that certainty. That's how we are to have patience with one another. Not to say, oh, this per person is really irritating me and they did yet another thing wrong, but Katya did say 70 times, seven times. Now we must forgive, so I'm going to forgive. But how I'm going to act now is tap out. How I'm going to act now is, oh, my boundaries go up. I don't have to spend time with you. I'm just going to be patient with you over here. You don't get that option in the Bible. Patience looks like leaning in. Patience looks like, it doesn't look like doing nothing and excusing laziness 
as patience. That's not what patience is. It's not passive. Patience looks like me saying, I still believe the gold that is in you, and I'm going to keep tending to that. I'm going to keep reminding you of who I see you to be in Christ. I'm going to keep forgiving you, and I'm also going to keep speaking lovingly towards you. That's what patience looks like in a community towards one another. It's not simply the forgiving and I'm out. It's the forgiving and I'm leaning in because I believe what God has said over your life and I'm gonna tend to it. Now, I'm not saying check your brains out. I'm not saying, um, you know, don't, don't do things that are healthy. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying what I think is happening is that so often we're checking out and we're calling that patience. That's not biblical patience. Biblical patience is much more active than that. Behave as the farmer does. The farmer pours nutrients on that soil again and again and again and again. For months, the farmer is feeding that soil for something that he still cannot see but he is convinced of the certainty that what he's doing, tending to something invisible, will grow something very visible in the end. And he's protecting against the weather. If there's suddenly crazy, unforeseen elements, I'm watching these shows where they're taking out hay and putting it all over the ground to protect the seed from these crazy um, bursts of weather that they didn't see. Why? Because there's something in that ground that they see is so precious. They are so certain of the outcome that they are pressing in. All of this is what we're invited to live as a life of patience. This is how God is inviting us as the people of God to respond to his promises and wait for his promises. Not passively, not I'll see you God in six months time where the, when the actual harvest comes, but I'm tapping out. No, you've given me this word. I'm to wait for it patiently. Patience is not passive, it is active and I'm in. So that's the flavor of patience. I wanna talk for a moment on the foundation of patience. See, there's a root system to patience. And I want to talk about this because for some of us, we might be struggling with patience. We might be really struggling with how slow things are coming along. We might be really, in fact, like me, someone who isn't naturally patient in their predisposition and just wants things done really quickly. Well. There's a root system that scripture talks of to patients that I wanna highlight, and it's two things, and the first is hope. Hope is foundational to patients. And I'm gonna do some ministry around this today because some of you are struggling in the waiting, and it's not because you lack the fruit of patience exactly, it's because you lack hope, and without hope as an essential nutrient, the fruit of patience will not grow. In Hebrews 6, 12, we're told, um, in Hebrews 6, from verse 10, we're told, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work. Even that, there is so much hope in that verse. Some of us are, are, are starting to question the character of God in the waiting. What is he actually like? 
But here the writer of the Hebrews says, God is not unjust. He's not overlooking all that you've done, all your love shown in his name in serving the saints as you still do. We desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be lazy, see the opposite of patience, lazy, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The writer of the Hebrews understands assurance of hope is key for you to have patience that leans in rather than laziness that taps out. But assurance of hope is the root system to patience. We see it again in Romans 8, where in Romans 8.25, Paul writes, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with patience. If you have the hope for something that is invisible, that is the essential ingredient, foundation, root system to grow patience. If you have lost your hope, there is no point in you trying to grow patience. Let's work on hope first. And some of us in the season of waiting, there has been such a question mark over the character of God that it's not just our patience that has eroded, that's surface level, but it's the root system of hope that is required for that patience. And I wanna speak hope where there is hopelessness today because the God who promised is faithful. His pace might look completely topsy-turvy in a fast-paced world. But the God who promised is faithful. He is not a man that he should lie, son of man that he should change his mind. He is a God who does what he says. And I want to infuse into your hearts hope for the promises of God spoken over your lives. That may be a long time coming because that is an essential foundation for patience to grow. The second ingredient that's essential as a foundation is power. Colossians 1 says this, and so from the day we heard, Paul is speaking to the church in Colossae, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. You are waiting for a breakthrough here. You've got his power. You've got his might for all endurance and patience with joy. Sometimes we think power is for the breakthrough, whereas God's design sometimes is that the power is for the patience in the midst of waiting for the breakthrough. We're praying for God, give me your power. God, give me your might. And we're trying to prescribe what that's for. And he's saying to us, wait, wait, you're skipping a step. My power and might are really good for the waiting season. You want them for the breakthrough season. And they do that too. But don't skip ahead. Don't be like me on my Instagram stories when I see that there's 10 and I think I'm just gonna skip the nine because I wanna see the finished product. No, God is saying my power and my might are essential for the waiting. See, the root system, the foundation for patience is a certainty, is a hope for the thing that you don't see. 
But it requires the power of God. This is where that fruit is supernatural. We can't grow this fruit without the power. And I want to suggest to you, let's be careful when we pray for the breakthrough of his power, not only to target our prayers over there, but to target our prayers in here and ask for the same power that we want to bring the breakthrough to be at our work in our own hearts, to bring breakthrough in our attitudes, in our certainty, in our joy in the midst of waiting for the unseen. Because that's his purpose for us. So there's a specific flavor of patience, and it's incredibly active. There's an essential foundation to patience, and it's both the hope, the certainty for that which we wait, and the power of God in work, uh, working in us. And the last one I want to talk about is the favor of patience. See, we're not asked to grow something that is alien to God. We're asked to grow something that is a very natural component of the heart of God. And I was speaking to someone this week and we were talking about disappointment, whether God is disappointed in us, whether it's possible for God to get disappointed with us. Incidentally, I don't think it is because disappointment is built on false, on expectations not being met, but God has accurate expectations of you and I, more accurate than we have of ourselves. But anyway, that's a side point right there. But Just in case you needed to hear that, hear it. God is not disappointed with you. But we were talking about it and really it made me think more and more so about the heart of God. What is the nature of the heart of God towards us? And if you took a poll outside of the church, let's forget in the church, although I'm sure it would bring very interesting results within the church. But let's just talk about people who don't know God. Let's talk about people who maybe never heard about Jesus. If we ask them, what do you think the heart of God is towards humanity? I bet there's going to be a lot of negative stuff that's spoken. I bet there's going to be from a lot of religious things that they might have heard in the past, that God is easily angered, that God is waiting to judge, that God is disappointed with humanity, that God just can't wait to smite us because we're so irritating. And yet when we're invited in Galatians 5 to grow fruit, it's not some like miraculous fruit that has no roots somewhere. It's fruit that is rooted in the heart of God. If you wanna know what God is like, read Galatians 5 because what we're asked to grow is what is naturally growing in him already. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that right there is an introduction to the character and personality of God. I want to talk to us about the favor of patience because God is patient with us. If I could tell you all of the times where I've thought I've blown it and surely this must have exhausted his patience. I'm just waiting for the repercussions of my actions. And he meets with me still so tenderly. Why? Because God chose me to glorify the patience of his name in front of everybody else. Because God chose me to showcase his personality of long suffering with someone who is slow to learn. 
See, the enemy will tell you, God is not patient with you. God is quickly irritated with you. Gosh, you were such a disappointment. Surely that must be the last time that he allows you to do that. And then Jesus looks and says, I do not say seven. I say 77. Why? Because that's his nature towards us. Because that's what's natural from the heart of God towards us. It's not easily angered. He is patient. See, when we're invited to grow the fruit of patience is because first he's inviting us to enter into the favor of patience. He's inviting us to understand and experience his heart that is consistently believing the best and isn't passively tapping out until finally you'll get it together, but is intentionally investing into the seed that he planted. He's the farmer in our lives saying, nope, let's get rid of that weed. No, that's going to be unhelpful. No, no, let me pour some encouragement. She needs some blessing today. Let me pour these nutrients because I believe in the seed that I planted in her and I believe in the soil of her heart and I'm going to bless it and I'm going to keep actively engaged in it because I know that what I planted will bear good fruit. That's what he's like with you and me. He is so incredibly patient in his investment in you and me. He is not passive, he is not disengaged, he is not apathetic. Sometimes we describe or think of the patience of God like God waiting over there. Okay, he's not gonna smite you, but he's just like, he's just over here whilst you're over there sorting yourself out. No, there's no distance in his patience. The very active patience I described is what we see happening naturally in the heart of God. I want to tell you that we're not invited only to grow foundations for patience so we get the right flavor for patience. We're invited to experience the favor of his patience over our lives so that that overflows in us and that's what comes out from us. That's why I'm sure it grieves the heart of God when we, as the church, portray God to be anything less than immensely patient with a world that is broken. When we act like he is easily angered by morality or immorality. No, we serve a God who is immensely patient with us and is immensely patient with the world. And you and I get to be the voice of Jesus speaking patiently, tenderly, kindly, engaging again and again and again, not only in the community, but outside of the community. Let's stand together. This is the Sunday morning podcast from The Table, Boston where you'll find the latest teachings from our Sunday meetings. Find more from us at thetableboston.com.